right, well, good morning. Beautiful today. Come on, let's all stand to our feet this morning. Give the Lord praise today. In the holy roar of God's resound. But the water's part before us now. Come and see what he has done for us. And tell the world of his great love. Oh, our God is a God Please keep my wife in prayer as well. And uh, those on the prayer chain, just keep those in mind. Uh, I think allergies are giving everybody a tough time. And and it, this crazy weather, Tuesday, it's supposed to get cold again. And it's just uh, keep people in prayer. It's a time when that gets a little crazy. And so just I want to also thank, uh, especially, I see Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Anna and Andrew and Jerry and who else? Uh, that was it. The four of you guys uh, took care of about 600 people. <laughs> up at the Pioneer Elementary School, and uh, you said over what, like three, like three hundred snow cones, something like that, or 
That's awesome. That's awesome. If we're going to run out of that kind of stuff, that's the place to run out of it as at a local elementary school. So thank you guys for doing that. And also very excited that this Wednesday we will begin a brand new Bible study here on Wednesday nights from uh, 6 o'clock to 7.30 called Experiencing God. We don't need to show the promo, but we have... Um, we had like like 15 people sign up, so we have the books on order. They should be here Tuesday, so I should have all the workbooks on Wednesday for us. So please be here uh, for Experiencing God. We've taken care of the expense on those workbooks, and um, we're excited about this new series called Experiencing God, and that's beginning this Wednesday night. And then also... This Thursday night, right? This Thursday, we have uh, the Over 50 Fivers, the refresh group. It's Italian food. What are you making? What are you making, Lionel? Lasagna. I haven't had a lasagna in a long time. I think I might do raviolis. I haven't had raviolis in forever. My wife can't stand raviolis. You know when you're a little kid and some adult makes you eat something that you didn't want to eat? Yeah, so like an aunt or somebody made her eat raviolis. So it doesn't matter. She probably likes them, but she won't eat them. So it's just one of those things. So I might bring raviolis just for that. So that's this Thursday, 6 o'clock, downstairs. Uh, what else am I forgetting? Anything else? Huh? The summer, that was last Thursday. Yeah. You're only a week off. You were close. Well, if you'd like to go back in time, join Steve. <laughs> join, yeah, we'll put that in the announcements. Last Thursday, join us. <laughs> well, God bless you this morning. Why don't we stand and meet and greet each other? And look, take five minutes. Go ahead. Really, take the whole five minutes. <laughs>
lot to me every time you make sure to keep an eye on that countdown. It's awesome. I'm just, God bless you watching online this morning. All those in bed right now sick. All right. They don't care. They don't care. See, look at them. Look at them, look at them, look at them. Nalani's just over there talking. Yeah, yeah, the countdown was over like a minute and a half ago. <laughs> oh, you throw, you're bla- throwing Andrew under the bus. There you go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I'll tell you, uh, last week was so awesome. I want to thank all of those again who did those videos for me and uh, for us. And uh, just grateful to... Lionel and all those that helped up at the sunrise service and Steve with the great devotion and yeah you're preaching next week yeah join us next week as uh, Steve is uh, Bird is going to be preaching and bringing the word to us I'm excited and uh, it's going to be a great great Sunday so at this point of the service we take a receive a, I, I hate, it's always sounds funny if you say you take an offering. Like I'm taking it from you. We're not taking it from you. You give an offering. We receive it in uh, the name of Jesus. And I just want to encourage you in uh, this area of your life, when things get tight like they are right now, whether it's prices of gas or groceries going up or watching your retirement savings go down, you know what? God owns it all. And he's still in control and he's still on the throne. And he's brought us safe this far. Why would we not put him first in everything, including this area of our lives? So I encourage you to pray and ask God what you would have you give. I know this, it's uh, never really comfortable. God doesn't bring us to always just comfortable places in our faith. And uh, it doesn't take any faith at all to tip God. If you drop in, you know, ah, what, what, can we, what can we do? You know, what can we do? It's not about what we can do, it's what can God do. And so I encourage you to give and what God leads you to do and then trust him for the rest. And that's, that's my spiel. And uh, just continue to pray for this church and pray for things coming up and things that have to get done and decisions that need to be made throughout the, the rest of this year. And uh, I'm sure God has something great in store for us. We kind of slow down a little bit after Easter, but we got Mother's Day here in a few weeks, and then we got Father's Day. And before we know it, we're going to have a 4th of July picnic this year, and then it's going to be movie nights before we can blink. And uh, then we're going to be talking about Thanksgiving and Christmas. So happy Easter. All right. <laughs> So, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for providing this wonderful sunshine, for for giving us breath in our lungs and the ability to worship together, to magnify your name, whether in this building or online this morning. So, God, we just ask you to bless those indeed that are giving out of obedience and sacrifice and faith. Bless those with a heart, God, that wants to give and their faith is holding them back. Just open up the gates and show them how much you love them in this way. And God, continue to provide for Mount Zion Church and to give us wisdom and good stewardship of your finances. We ask you to do all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I encourage you, don't let Easter wear off. As we worship this morning, remember what he did for us. The King of kings and Lord of lords came in flesh and died for us. Thank you, Jesus. Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run, the mountain I drink from. Be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life. Oh, you are sing you are. Inside my sail, the anchor in the wave, 
keep it all alone. We keep it all to you. Day and night, night and day, let incense rise. Day and night, night and day, let incense rise. Day and night, night and day, let incense rise. Day and night, night and day, let Bones will sing. Great 
shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Father, we come to you just humbly thanking you for all that you've done for us. What more? What can we do? So we offer the breath in our lungs because we know it comes from you. We offer our hearts, God, because you've given us new ones through your death and resurrection and paying the price for us. We get to thank you for our hearts. God, we thank you for all the provision you've given us. No matter what we go through, you're always there. You never leave us or forsake us. Renew us again, oh God. Remind us again, God, the power of Jesus and his blood that was shed as we celebrate again today a risen Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we know so many that need prayer today think of Steve's son Raymond in the hospital he needs, needs a touch from you or Debbie or Eve or anyone else or Lori that are down sick today God heal their bodies those online right now who I know want to be here but couldn't for whatever reason bless them and touch them today God God, I'm just reminded this morning as Steve and I were talking, God, change our whole lives. Make us new. Every morning your promises are new, God, so we come to you and say, open us up. Let us be receptive to what you have for us today. Get rid of our pride and distractions and fears. Increase our faith this morning, God, as we turn to your word. We ask you to do this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Give, go ahead and have a seat this morning. I'm excited uh, about this message. I always like the Sunday after Easter because sometimes, sometimes you still have it really crowded because you got people who go, oh, I don't want them to think we only came for Easter. And then you have, like, then sometimes it was such a push to get to Easter. Sometimes you get sick or you, you pushed other things aside and everything was so busy and they, they just can't make it. 
But either way, sometimes we just lose the energy building up to, uh, to Easter. And for me, this was the answer to fixing my energy problems for a long time, man. I think there are, I can't believe how many of these there are nowadays. This was just the set of the energy drinks that you can get. Rockstar was my favorite. I used to drink those all the time until I found out they caused kidney stones. And I said, oh, that's not a good idea. And uh, you only need one of those to teach you that. But it's very true that these things are not designed. Wouldn't it be nice if you just bought one of these, like one of these one time, took a, and now you have energy all the time. Like you only need one. And it's good for all, all time. But no, instead they're made in a way that they're always going to wear off. And that's the problem with energy drinks. We're not set for the rest of our life with energy. And the effects, once they wear off, what do you do? You, you need another one. I don't know about you, but if I don't have my morning coffee, I'm a nightmare. My wife, my wife will wake up in the morning. She'll just start talking. Debbie will just start talking. And I'll go, Deb, I, I, have, I, haven't, I haven't had my coffee yet. And I'm like begging her, please, please. And it's just sometimes I need that effect of getting a boost. Well, Easter does that for a lot of people. It gives them that boost. And for some, unfortunately, it's like these energy drinks, it can wear off. Well, the sugary, Eastery candy is worn off. It's gone. The, the continuous energy of being a Christian and knowing you're saved can wear off. But I want us to look at how Easter can energize every one of us at every age continuously proclaiming the Christ our Savior to confidently pray to him and continually live for him. Because let me ask it this way. Do you remember what you were doing 10 years ago? Just like what your morning was like what you had for breakfast. You know, when my dad, God bless him, he, he's, he's gone to be with the Lord, but uh, you, <laughs> we, we painted his house, my pastor and I, we painted his house, the house I grew up in, Moraga, and I, I remember it was like weeks later, and my pastor said, your dad right now, he's, he's getting up, he's having his shredded wheat and his, his oatmeal, huh? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, he does the same thing every single morning. And he's done that for his whole life. So if you ask my dad, what was he doing 10 years ago? He said, oh, I was having my shredded wheat. and my He always knew. But most of us don't have that kind of memory. And the other thing is a lot can happen in 10 years. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. And we're going to see if Easter is worn off and what we can do to re-energize us every single Sunday. Acts chapter 12 takes us about 10 years after Jesus has risen from the dead. And a lot of different things had happened in those 10 years. But the energy of Easter in those days had not worn off one single bit. Jesus' disciple Peter, who just weeks ago we saw standing in a courtyard on Monday, Thursday evening, vehemently denying that he ever even met Jesus. And now he's easily recognized in Jerusalem as one of the leading disciples. However, the circumstances for being a disciple of Jesus was not always pleasant. So let's look at Acts chapter 12, and we're going to go through a little bit at a time here. I'm going to read starting in verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. And then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to further seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. The early Christian church in Jerusalem was being persecuted. And the King Herod in Acts chapter 12, he's just really following traditions of his family. His grandfather was the one responsible for killing the baby boys at the time of Jesus' birth. His uncle was the one who had John the Baptist beheaded and wanted Jesus to perform some miracles while standing trial. King Herod 
did not have a whole lot of power really in the grand scheme of things in the Rome of, in the Roman Empire. He understood how the system worked. If the Jewish citizens became restless, then he would quickly lose his job or maybe even his life. So he gives the Jewish people what they wanted to keep them quiet. He sees how the people reacted with the execution of James, and he goes, hey, if one dead disciple is good, let's kill a couple more, and it'll make me even more popular. So he arrests Peter, but he waits until after Passover for his trial. And we can think of this way. If we know that Peter's trial is going to be anything like Jesus' trial, it's going to be a mockery of the judicial system, and the outcome will be decided way before the trial even begins. And as strange as it might sound, isn't it good? Isn't, isn't it good to see Peter in this account? This is 10 years after Jesus' resurrection. And look what Peter is still doing. 10 years. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 tells us to do what Jesus tells us to do. It says to be my witnesses. And that's exactly what Peter's still doing 10 years after the first Easter. Now, Herod seemed to have very little trouble finding Peter. He knew who the disciples of Jesus were because they just wouldn't shut up talking about Jesus. Could someone find you that way? Can someone find me? If they're looking, hey, where's Eric? Oh, he's the guy preaching down at the park or preaching down at those, those neighbors or he's, he's hanging out in the elementary school preaching to teachers. Are, are you preaching the gospel? I don't mean preaching all the time with words, just letting your life preach sometimes. Herod seemed to have very little trouble finding him. It says in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, it says, Day after day in the temple courts from the house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. But why were they so bold in proclaiming Jesus? Well, it goes back to Easter. Easter announced to those disciples that God had given them what they and all people even today need. Yes, they failed at times to trust God completely. Well, just like us. Their sinful pride caused them to fight amongst themselves. That happens. Sinful pride can cause us to do lots of stupid things. They felt guilt of their sin, just as we do. And when we see God demands, when we see what God demands, and we look at what we've done, and suddenly you think of Easter. The record of sin was immediately and permanently erased. A living Jesus stood before them, holding out his hands and his feet for them to see and touch and assure them that he was not only alive, but he was their savior. He lived for them. He died for them. They were at peace with God, and this peace isn't only just for those guys, it's for us too. Easter energizes Christians to contagiously proclaim Christ. Because we know what it means for us and for others. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Easter announces the power of Christ and his love for everyone. And that love of Christ should energize us, as it did Peter and the other apostles, and the Christians of every generation, they contagiously proclaim, Jesus Christ is our Savior. And when the Christians found out that Peter had been prison, were put in prison, what did they do? It says in verse 5, continuing in Acts chapter 12, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Prayer is one of those activities that the book of Acts shows the early Christian church regularly did. The Apostle Paul repeatedly encouraged his fellow Christians to pray nearly in every single letter, almost every single letter that he writes in, in the New Testament, he encourages them to continue to pray for him. And it's no wonder why, because when you look at what is happening to Christianity throughout the ages, they have turned to prayer... They just have to think of the one in whom we pray. 
We are praying to the risen Lord Jesus. That should excite us every time we think about it. We sometimes use the prayer. How about this phrase? Oh, it's the power of prayer. Prayer is powerful, but really the power of prayer doesn't come from the person who offers the prayer. How often the prayer is repeated or how often they're going to pray or how many people are praying. Instead, the power is, the found, the power is found in the person to whom that prayer is addressed, and that is Jesus. Christians pray to a living, risen Savior who did something Easter morning that no other person in history ever did before or has ever been able to do. He rose from the dead. Do you think that Jesus has the power to answer our prayers? Absolutely. Does he? Are you with me? Does he? Absolutely. Christians pray to a living Jesus who kept his promise to rise from the dead even when it looked unlikely. That's one thing that, would, that, that can kill your faith in someone any given moment in time in your history when someone doesn't keep a promise. It keeps a lot of people from knowing Jesus as their personal Savior, to be honest with you. Maybe a parent or a cousin or a teacher or somebody looked at as a, as a, a, a father figure or a mentor. And they broke a promise. So you lost your faith in them. So now you're trying to find Jesus, and, but you've been hurt so many times by broken promises, it's hard to put my faith in someone I can't see when the people that I see are breaking their promises. But Jesus kept his promise. And what was that promise? That he would rise again. Look, at, I don't, I don't, that takes a lot of faith. If you don't know the Easter story, if you're one of these disciples and you see what Jesus went through and you go in the back of your head, you know he said he was going to keep his promise and come back. But man, I don't think I've ever seen anybody come back from the dead before. It might be really difficult to believe it. But he did it. He kept his promise. He rose from the dead. So do you think that if Jesus kept that promise, don't you think he will keep whatever promises he has for you? He does, yes. Now, you might have to wait. And he may not answer it in the way you want him to, or the time you want it to, or the way it expected it to. But he will always do what he promises to do. There's not a lot of people who can say that. We had a little kid, Ryan. Ryan was two doors over in our cul-de-sac when I was, we were raising our girls in Antioch. Ryan was going through a lot of troubles. He was one of those kids that at about 10 years, 11 years old, he was trouble. He was right on that cusp, right? You know what I mean, where he could go either way. And his home life wasn't that hmm, foundational or steady, to say the least. And uh, I remember... Ryan was shooting off a little bit about my daughters, and he was making fun of them, and that doesn't take much for me to get riled up about. And, and I said, come here, Ryan. He said, what? And I, and I said, uh, I want to tell you something. Ryan, I do everything I tell you I'm going to do. And so what I did was I went and talked in Troy where his parents are. I remember I went over and talked to him, and I said, hey, I know it's February, and it's freezing cold, but if I talk to Mike Dolio, our next-door neighbor, can I throw Ryan in that ice-cold pool if he does this one more time? He said, yeah. So I said, Ryan, come here. Listen, I do everything I say I'm going to do. And if I catch you doing what you just did to my daughters ever again, I'm going to pick you up and throw you in that ice-cold pool in the middle of February. I don't care if it's raining or hailing or whatever it is. I'm going to do that. He didn't believe me. About two hours later, I picked him up, went in that backyard, and threw him in that pool. And that kid didn't talk to me for a good two, three weeks. About three years later, he was put in an institution. And he only wanted to talk to one person. Me. Because he said, 
you always kept your promises. Will you come and see me? Prayed with them, did everything I could for them. They eventually moved away, but I know this. Because I did what I said I was going to do, he could always depend on me. You can always depend on Jesus because he always does what he says he's going to do. And he did everything he said he was going to do. Easter should energize us to pray like that, knowing a Savior like that. Pray confidently and boldly to know that this is a faithful God, a loving Savior that we offer our prayers to. Little did the Christians who were praying for Peter at this time when he was thrown into prison know how the Lord was going to answer their prayers. This is, this is actually one of the funniest stories in the Bible, if you ask me. Verse 6, when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Peter was put under really tight security. Multiple guards around the clocks, chains on the wrist, forced to sleep between two soldiers. And I'm thinking, why did he double this security up so much? Well, it might have been because what happened years before to Herod in Acts chapter 5. It wasn't the first time Jesus was, uh, Peter was being arrested for preaching about Jesus. Years earlier, Peter and the other apostles were put in jail for the same thing. In the middle of the night, what happened? Angel comes in, sets them free. So maybe Herod's thinking, well, this time I've got to tighten up the security a bit on this dude. The proverb says, though, but the many plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. So Herod's about to look like a fool a second time. The foolishness that he had hoped to avoid by tightening the security was now going to make him look like a bigger fool. Here, verse 7. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. Now this is, this is the part I like. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly! And his chains fell off his hands. Let me just stop there for a second. The the light of an angel doesn't wake you up? Hello? So then the angel, he didn't, the angel didn't just go, hey, Peter, wake up. It says right there, he struck him on the side. Can you just see the angel going, Peter, arise. He had to kick him. Now, I was thinking about this this morning, actually. I didn't even think about this. How can... If you're in prison between two armed guards, how can Peter be that asleep? There's only one way. He had complete peace and confidence in his Savior. How would you like to sleep that well in that circumstance? That circumstance? Can you imagine? I got arrested. They're putting two guards between me. Man, I was so sleepy. I couldn't wake up. The angel had to kick me. That's crazy talk. So then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sand. He goes, Put on your shoes. And he did. He said, Put on your garment and follow me. Verse 9. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real. What? So he needs a coffee. Peter needs a big energy drink right now. He didn't know it was being done. It was real. But he thought he was seeing a vision, or in some translations, he thought he was dreaming. When they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to an iron gate that leads to the city, which opens to them, opened to them on its own accord. So all of a sudden, open sesame happens. And they went out and went down on the street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Now, Peter is still groggy. He's still a little messed up, because look at verse 11. And when Peter had come to himself, <laughs> so Peter's still not thinking this is all, is this really happening? He says, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Even Peter, who gets caught off guard here, this angel appears in the middle of the night. His chains fall off his wrist. The angel walked past the guards. They go onto the street. He's still a little drowsy. He's thinking maybe this is a dream, only to realize this is no dream. 
This really happened to him. So here comes another fun part. Verse 12. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary and the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked on the door of the gate, a girl named Rhonda came to answer. Where does Peter immediately go? Where the Christians are praying. These people were praying for me. I'm going to go to them. They're going to the prayer meeting. I'm gonna, I, I know that these guys are doing I asked them to pray, and I have faith in them that they're going to pray. I'm going to go to the prayer meeting. Verse 14. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she didn't open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood at the gate. So this is freaking her out a little bit. Verse 15, but they said to her, you're beside yourself. What is wrong with you? Yet she kept insisting it was so. So they said, it's his angel. It's not Peter. Come on, Rhonda, what's wrong with you? Now, Peter continued knocking. So I'm, I'm picturing Rhonda. The whole time Rhonda's going, guys, Peter's at the door. No, he's not. No, he's at the door. No, he's at, Peter's in prison. I, it must be his angel knocking. It can't be Peter. It's so funny. Verse 17, but motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he, so when, uh, verse 16, when Peter continued knocking, they opened the door and saw him. And Peter has to motion, he goes, listen, shh, don't let everybody know I'm here. Keep it voice down. And he declares to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. He said, go tell these things to James and the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. So the first people don't believe Peter was really at the door. I, I totally get this. So imagine the prayer meeting. Peter says, go and pray. I'm going to be put in prison. Okay. They go and pray. And that night while they're having the prayer meeting, they're going, Lord, please protect Peter. Keep him safe. Please help Peter be able to get out of prison. Rhonda, be quiet. You know, we just want God to answer our prayer. And the whole time, Peter's standing outside the door. <laughs> Wouldn't you like God to answer prayers like that, like all the time? But that's what he did. God was answering their prayers right in front of him. He was standing right out the door, outside the door. And Peter tells him what happened, asks him to tell James, the leader of the Christian church in Jerusalem. He tells him, He's all right. This is an amazing course of events that really takes so little faith. And I see the little faith in Peter. Steve, if you could come back. You see you, the, the little faith in Peter about not being awake thinking he's dreaming. You see the little faith of the Christians praying that Peter be released because they don't even believe Rhonda that he's at the door. It's amazing. And so what does he do? He, he comes in, tells them, shh yes, I'm okay, I'm out of prison, an angel saved me, now go tell James. What happens next? He departed and went to another place, verse 18. Then as soon as it was that day, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what became of Peter. Yeah, because normally soldiers that do that, they're going to get killed. Verse 19, but when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded them to be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He leaves and goes to another place. Easter energizes the early Christians, and it should energize us as well. Remember, this is 10 years after the risen Savior. And then they gather together. They read the scriptures. They study further. They seek God's plan of salvation. They have perfectly executed these these plans perfectly executed by jesus and it all comes to happen on easter morning they celebrated the lord's supper they prayed for each other they strengthened their faith they encouraged their christian lives for many of them being a christian often meant bearing ridicule their family their friends sometimes loss of income property or even their life So why did they gather together? Because the times they spent together were the times for the recharging of their faith. It's like a, 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 a Red Bull for your faith. 
It's like a really good cup of espresso for your faith. It should awaken it. Because let's face it, don't you ever feel worn out as a Christian? You just get tired sometimes. There are times when being a Christian is just plain hard. You defend someone only to hear them talk negatively about you. You help someone out, but they never say thanks. They never show appreciation. You try to love that person who seems to be trying as hard as possible to be unlovable, but you love them anyway. Or maybe it's the doctors just can't figure it out and they can't help you. I heard this great, great saying that, that really sparked this message this morning. Every Sunday is a little Easter. Every Sunday. I know we make a big deal out of Easter, but man, every day in our lives should be a little Easter. He has risen. He has risen indeed. It's true. And I'm glad. And I love Easter. But I want every opportunity, every morning that say, He is risen. He is risen indeed. Each time we come here on Sundays or Wednesdays or Thursdays, we come to worship a living Savior who assures us that every failure in our lives has been forgiven. He assures us of His love, His power, His provision. He strengthens us to trust Him. He's leading us again and again back to the empty tomb, saying, I told you I would do it. Trust me. Trust me today and trust me tomorrow also. In that Easter message, we should be energized to proclaim Christ is our Savior. To confidently go to Him in prayer and know that He can answer it just like a knock at the door. And we can continue to live for Christ who lived and died and rose again. Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. We celebrate you today, God. We celebrate you that you are a Savior, not only that, that, that came to this world and died, but rose again. A Savior that keeps his promises to each and every one of us yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever. You are the God who can save the meekest of us, that looks at our problems and our mishaps and our sin and washes it away when we come to you and say, God, change my heart, oh God. Change me. Shape me. Mold me. Make me like you. I am weak. You are strong. I need a Savior I can rely on, one that will be there forever and ever and ever and who never leaves me never forsakes me I need a savior that I could stand on solid ground and know that it never wavers I'm so thankful Jesus that you are that savior I'm so thankful God that no matter what I go through I can say the joy of the Lord is my strength that, Lord, I can testify each and every day that the only reason I'm still standing is because of my Savior, Jesus Christ. When I can look at my beautiful family or my friends or my grandchild and I can say, thank you, God. It's because of you and how you shape my life. When I open the refrigerator door and I, I see food in there, I can say, thank you, God, that you have provided for me again today. Give us this day our daily bread. God, thank you that you are a Savior that we can celebrate every single day. But how exciting it is when we gather together as brothers and sisters in your temple, God, to be one voice saying we love you and we praise you. So today, God, I pray we go out today just like we did last Sunday. That we remember that you are a risen Savior and you died for us. I ask you to do this in the mighty name of Jesus. And one more time, the church, let me hear you just say it. He is risen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great, great rest of your week. We love you.